Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Raw Podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo. I'm your host James Copley and I'm thrilled to be joined in the studio today by Sunderland Ladies Head Coach Mel Ray. Thanks for joining us as Storm Kira batters the country, but for once we're not on about Kira Ramshaw's goal-scoring exploits. Mel, how are things? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll jump straight into it. So the season so far, your team are top of the league, undefeated in all competitions. You have a huge tie with top-tier Birmingham ladies in the FA Cup fifth round at home at the weekend. You're in the semi-final of the FA WNL Cup against Southampton. And you've experienced a thrilling victory in a weird time derby at the Stadium of Light in front of around 2,000 Sunderland fans. So this has really been a superb season so far. As a manager, just how happy are you at the moment? Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Uh, I think we're at the point now where the players know each other really well on the pitch. Uh, and I think that it's going to count for a lot once we get to the business end of the season. Uh, I certainly expect them to finish how they've started the season. I think anything less would probably be a bit, bit of a disappointment. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed everything goes well between now and then. And we know Sunderland aren't home and dry yet in the league and there's still work to be done, but, and I don't want to put too much pressure on yet, but could this team go undefeated? Could we be looking at Sunderland ladies invincibles? Is, is that possible? Yeah, I think we just take one game at a time, you know, keeping everyone's feet on the ground, not getting carried away. And, uh, you know, as for the unbeaten run, it's, it's now motivation. Uh, we're using that to perform because it's something that doesn't often happen in football. Uh, so we need to protect it at all costs. Is it, is it something that the the girls are aware of that they could uh, they could go and beat? Is it something that gets discussed, or is it kind of the priority is just winning that league? It's just winning one game at a time. You know that's I don't let them get carried away with it. Uh, I never have to rein them back in. They're very focused. They're very driven this season. It's it's something that I've never really seen before in a group of players. They're hungry for it. Uh, so it's very much I know it's very cliche but it is very much just one game at a time I'll be the one who's looking four games ahead starting to plan things but mm. you know their, their main focus is very much just on, on the next game and that leads me on to a question from Twitter I thought I'd, I'd canvas some um, Sullen ladies fans on social media to see if they had any questions for you we had a fair few responses so thank you for that Sullen ladies Twitter um, <clears throat> this is a question by Matthew he says, you're running away with the league this season, um, top with two games in hand and six points over second place. Derby, how do you keep the team hungry and avoid complacency? Six points isn't a lot though, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's the coaching you're always wanting more. <laughs> I think you know the, the hunger for the players is that I'm putting pressure on them every week to play for their shirt. You know, There's no one a given mm-hmm. that's going to play. Uh, you very much have to perform and earn the right to keep the shirt. If you if you if you play well, you've got a really good chance of keeping it. If you're average or maybe not done enough, there's a you you've got a chance of losing it. And if you've had a shocker, you probably are going to lose it. Yeah, I, uh, I suppose you, you spoke in the I think you spoke on the Roker Report podcast about having that strength and depth and that that competition for places that must be really beneficial as a group. Yeah, and it's it's something that we push in training during the week, uh, and it's maintaining them high standards, you know and I'm getting them to demand that from each other. If someone's not giving you a good pass and train and you demand better and you're putting that you're putting that pressure on everyone to make sure they're getting better and better all the time and you know, and we're seeing that on the pitch through the results. Yeah, definitely. Two of the star performers this campaign have been two new girls, Jessica Brown and Neve Heron, who were both just sixteen years old, signed in the summer. As a coach, do you have to be careful with them as young players in terms of their exposure to first team football? 
or are they kind of so talented that they can just be unleashed, so to speak? I think first and foremost, you know, you go to the youth players that we've got on the team. Um, my philosophy on the youth players is if they're good enough, they're old enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very much the case with Jess and Neve. Uh, yes, you have to be careful in some respects because of the, because they are so young, uh, but they're monitored daily uh, through our strength and conditioning coach Lee Fairley, uh, and they're with me during the week at the college. So I know what they're doing all the time. Uh, I can rein them in. I can let them loose. Uh, so they're they're in a really good place at the moment, which is good. And I suppose that's kind of the unseen um, side of football as well. You look at players on the men's game off the top of my head that have been exposed to first-team football too much too young players like Michael Owen can break down later in the career so I suppose you do have a, a real responsibility to, to look at that now. Yeah, it's, it's really important we get the, the balance right because we certainly don't want them to burn out because they're, they're performing well in their starters which is, you know, which is something that I don't think they maybe realised at the beginning of the season they just wanted to be part of it but mm-hmm. actually they've actually come in and, and made a real difference to the team which is made them uh, accepted within the squad very quickly uh, but they're learning all the time you know they're on the pitch they've got to be able to hold their own on the pitch and like I said before that they're contributing which is you know it's a great buy-in straight away from both of them and it's a nice balance in the squad at the moment as well because although you've got the youngsters like Neve and Jessica who are 16 you've got the likes of Bridget Galloway who are 21 Keir Ramshaw's 23, 24 about the same age as me then Potsy again's the same age as me then McCatty at the back She's 30 years old, so you've kind of got a, a really nice blend at the moment um, for the new players coming through that they're, they're not being hung out to dry just playing because they've got so much experience around them. Yeah, it's a good balance, and you know everyone brings something different. You know, and you know you've got Maria as well, who's you know she's only 18, she's in a foreign country. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and you know everyone's got their own little uh, things going away from football and trying to balance everyone's commitments to work, to university, to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I, I can't fault them when they when they come. Tuesday, Thursday with me, and and on a Sunday that you know they're, they're performing at the max, which is you know which is brilliant for everyone to see. Yeah, of course. Just on Maria Ferruja as well. Um, for those that don't know, she came over from Malta last season, midway through last season, was it? And she's done exceptionally well, plays in the middle of the park. How impressive is that to come over as an eighteen-year-old into a new culture, not really knowing the language for education and for sport as well, and and to perform that well and, and adapt so so cleverly. Uh, just to give you a bit of background on Maria, she's actually been here since she was sixteen. Uh, but because of the rules, she she couldn't sign for any uh, for the ladies team until mm-hmm. she was eighteen. So she actually trained with her uh, when we were in WSL one uh, for two years without actually being able to play. All oh, right. So you know that commitment from her and the desire and the the drive that she's got to make it to the highest level. You know, and uh, being a foreign country by herself without a family, uh, studying at Northumbria University. <laughs> you know, she's speaking a different language. Uh, I think I think she's just you know I've got full, loads of admiration for her for what she's done because she's she's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, definitely. And you talk about admiration as well. It must feel great when that faith is repaired. Say when Neve Heron scores a stunning double at Stoke. When Jessica Brown got the winner against Newcastle. When Maria plays out of her skin. Um, that must be a great feeling when you've helped spot and nurture a young player. I think it's always rewarding uh, to see potential in someone before they've actually seen it in themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we we've, we invited Neve and Jess and along with uh, uh, Eve Blakey, Grace Boys, Libby Corney, Rebecca Ward, they all came in at the beginning of the last season to get them introduced into senior football. Mm-hmm. And we could see with Jess and Neve that they had something and it was about us kind of na- uh, nourishing, it, nourishing it throughout the, the pre-season and 
you know, fair play to them. They've they've worked hard and they've you know they've, they've come on leaps and bounds. And like I said before, they've managed to hold their hold their own. They've they've kept their shirt. They're performing. Yeah. Uh, but I've been coaching now for for twenty years. Now I've been lucky enough now to see so many people go on to achieve so many things in football, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a career in it or whether they're working it, working in it, uh, and that that's like the most rewarding thing. Mm-hmm. And and again, um, not to put too much pressure on these girls because they are still very young. But particularly Neve, um, Jessica Brown, and Maria. How how far do you think they can they can go based on their talent? I think they can go all the way. All the way at the top. Yeah. Is that uh, internationals, WSL one? You think they're going to achieve a lot? Obviously, with Sunderland, yeah, we're not. We don't want to be touting them too much. But, no, no, uh, of course not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you know, sixteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old. There's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, and I've seen it before where players do get carried away in the and they don't make it in mm-hmm. the fall, the fall in the slip up. It's a big commitment. Uh, there's a lot of dedication, but I can see the hunger that they've got. I can see it in their eyes. Uh, I can see it how hard they train, I see how focused they are. Uh, so they've they've got everything they need to be able to achieve it. It's up to them how much they want to push and and make sure that they eventually you can't get there immediately. Yeah, yeah. You know you've got you've got to you know and they're doing the right thing. They've come from junior football into senior football. They're holding their own. Hopefully we get promoted, uh, and then they can do it in the championship as well. That you know that's the that's the natural progression for them. Yeah, of course. Uh, if I was 16, like Jessica Brown, and I scored a goal at the Stadium of Light against Newcastle, the winner, I think I would probably get a bit too um, too big for me boots. Is it difficult to try and keep the feet on the floor sometimes, or not? Not really. I mean, whether they just hide it from me or not, I've got no <laughs> idea. But uh, they're, they're very much down to earth. Uh, I don't think they would last very long if they got big time Charlie. I think there's yeah. there's characters within the team that would shoot them down, which is good. Mm-hmm. I would certainly shoot them down, uh, but you know it's it's great to see, and you know it was it was I think it's been the highlight of our season. I think she said scoring it. It was a stage in my life. Uh, incredible goal, and it won the uh, it won the goal of the month competition as it well. Did, yeah, alongside the men, which which was great. I suppose the other the flip side of the story is when you get a situation like Courtney Stewart's. Um, for those that don't know, again the backstory here um, was that you had a talented player at the club. Who kept suffering uh, the most bizarre medical problems? Stewart originally fainted in a match against Fylde at the start of last season. Was out for a long period of time before she collapsed again against Barnsley this season, um, and she was forced to end her time with Sunderland Ladies and Mel prematurely. I mean, that must have been a really difficult situation to navigate. And and how hard is it to let a player go that you've worked with and built up such a rapport with, and who you know she was such a bubbly character around the place as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a difficult situation for everyone involved. Um, obviously, the girl wanted to play. I wanted to give her the opportunity to play. But in the end, the risks that we were facing were just too great. Uh, and to be part of what happened was honestly a terrifying experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it happened twice on the pitch, but it also happened numerous times in, tra- in training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it wasn't nice to see. It wasn't nice for the staff who had to deal with it, and it wasn't nice for the the players who, who were you know there when it happened. And you know it obviously wasn't nice for Courtney and our family. Yeah. Um, so you know we parted ways on good terms. You know, and everyone at the club wishes her all the best. I mean, she's she's gone and signed for now for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just going to train until the end of the season. Then she's going to maybe get back into it. 
to start next season. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a tough experience for everyone. I, I suppose it must be really hard in a, a situation like that because you've you've got a duty of care uh, to to a young girl, but she's obviously wants to play, and, and I, I'm guessing she was kind of knocking down your door, so to speak, saying, "When, when am I going to get a chance?" That must have been, you know, because you, obviously you wanted to play as well, but you've you've got that level of care. Yeah, it was difficult. You know, there was lots of conversations between uh, myself and Courtney and Courtney's parents, and uh, it it just got to the point where we just had to draw a line under it and mm. say uh, we we just can't risk it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wish Courtney the best at Newcastle, and I think you're probably ideally placed to answer this next question given your history with Sunderland Ladies. But again, for those that don't know. As a player, you joined the Cowgate Kestrels, which later went on to become Sunderland Ladies during the 2002-03 season, winning two Golden Boots and a Northern Division title. You then became a coach and eventually the boss. So you've seen the club grow and you've grown with it. Um, but for those who maybe haven't seen a Sunderland Ladies game or have just attended one or two, in your opinion, what makes a good Sunderland Ladies player and what are the core values of the other club? Uh, players who do whatever I say. <laughs> <laughs> you should have expected that answer, should have really. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, from the very beginning, uh, going all the way back to before we even became Sunland ladies, you know, there was there was a hard work ethic. Uh, it was very team focused, and it's it's pretty much the same now. You know, we're we're all hard work. I think it's from the you know the northeast kind of the way people live. <clears throat> in, yeah. in their values, you know, they're grafters, they're hard workers, they're committed. Uh, I like technically good players. I like ta- technically, uh, you know, good players who understand different ways I want to play, which has been evident this season in terms of the different formations we've played in different games, which has been different from last season, which has been really pleasing. The way the girls have took on that information and knowledge and they've, you know, they grasp things really quickly. They're mm. like sponges. Give them something new, they want to know more. Mm. Uh and that and that's really helped us pick up points this season, which has been which has been a big difference compared to last season, I think. Yeah, for sure. And and for those that haven't seen again, this season you've you've alternated between you know three or five at the back. Some call it you can go four at the back, one up front, two up front. I mean that must be nice to have options as a coach, especially for players that are doing whatever you say, as you yeah, say as well. I think it's important. You know, people get injured, people go away on international duty, uh, people have work commitments, and. And sometimes I don't like putting square pegs in round holes. You know, mm. we, we might have to change a formation to suit the personnel that we've got available that weekend. And like I just said before, I think that's been the big difference. Yeah, as you say, players are like sponges. Is it kind of is it easier to tactically manage players like um, Jessica Brown and Neve Heron and Maria, who maybe aren't coming in to football with any kind of preconceptions or you know the the, the kind of fresh view to mould so to speak is it easier coaching a young player than it is an older one uh, no not so much I don't think I think it's pretty much the same uh, I try because we only have three hours contact time a week I try to keep things really simple try mm. to give them maybe two points to think about yeah. not to overload them with too much information uh, so when it comes to the Sunday they've maybe got Two things in possession to think about, two things out of possession to think about, and you know that that keeps a clear head, it keeps them focused, it doesn't you know fry their brains with too much information. Mm. Uh, but you know they take it on board and they're, they're intelligent players. Yeah, and and has that time away with the England youth setup has that has that helped influence your coaching style? Have you have you learnt much from from the other coaches that you, you that you're working around? 
Uh, you know, I've done a little bit with England in terms of the the under twenty threes with Marianne, uh, who actually she actually uh, manages Southampton, who were coming up against in the, oh, yeah, in the league cup final. So that'd be nice to catch up with uh, Marianne. And obviously going away with the seniors, you know, that was that was really good in terms of me developing as a coach as well and getting our little ideas to bring back to bring back into the club. But, you know, it, it helps that the girls go away with international football as well, so that again they're learning when they're they're going away, playing with different players, asking maybe them to do different things when they go away, playing in different positions. Uh, so it it all helps. It all helps the club. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll move on to a big topic of conversation amongst fans of women's football at the moment, which is Sunderland's application to join the second tier next season. In women's football, it's a little bit different. You have to apply to be promoted. Uh, this is part of the FA's plan to strengthen the game, and Sunderland as a club will have to prove um, prove commitment and funds in a number of areas, including wages, commercial activities, and much, much more. Um, under Ellis Short, Sunderland didn't commit to these types of requirements when the FA was subsequently relegated two divisions um, from the Women's Super League into the Women's National League North. I know, I know you can't really speak about um, the bid too much as talks are ongoing between uh, the club and the FA. Um, but just to kind of get your get your take on the confirmation that that bid's been put in and, and how happy you are with the process so far. I think all I can say is that the process is ongoing and that the club are working towards meeting the, the relevant criteria that the FA are asking. Cool, definitely good stuff. Um, yeah, we'll move on to some wider issues and fan questions now that's been tackled. Um, so yeah, wider issues in the game. As a player and a, and a manager um, working in football, you expect a certain level of constructive criticism from fans. It's healthy, it helps the game grow. Um, but what is it like to kind of see women's football be on the end of kind of Twitter trolling and, and, and the misogyny that comes with that is it something that women's footballers are aware of? I think fans can be critical uh, you know everyone's critical of something in their life uh, if someone cares about something and they're entitled to have an opinion on, on it uh, and I think that's just something that you've got to accept uh, I don't really feel like I've been on the end of anything too too nasty or, or been involved in anything uh, personally like that so uh, maybe I've been lucky <laughs> yeah definitely um, attendances are a big issue in the women's game at the moment um, but they are growing at the top of the game as a whole which leads me to a similar question from avid Sunderland ladies follower Ian Todd he asks what more can be done even at tier 3 level to encourage a wider appreciation of the local talent on display and the attendance at games uh, I think it's a difficult one. Uh, I think the women's game has made great strides, uh, especially in maybe in the last couple of years at the top level. Uh, and obviously this is only our second season at, at this level. I think it's often compared to the men's game, you know, which is yeah. it needs to be in its own in its own right. Uh, and I think playing in the same season as the men in terms of the winter football you know you're fighting against the same audience mm. uh, I have to say personally I much preferred playing in the summer mm. uh, you know all them 30,000 Sunderland fans they've got nothing to do in the summer yeah, they've got yeah. no football they haven't got their football fix you know so if, if Sunderland ladies are playing in the summer you've got a much higher chance of captivating them to come across to Ebbleton to watch the ladies in the summer when you're not wrapped up for winter and two degrees <laughs> yeah. uh, you know so to put it on its own platform and not comparing it to men's football 
and uh, in, in maybe playing at a different time is certainly mm. going to help. So, so do you think perhaps that the women's game has kind of <clears> missed a trick by sort of looking at the men's game and thinking, right, we need to emulate that. We need a strong Premier League with these, you know, strong men's teams um, that have women's clubs wedded to it. Should you know the powers that be maybe have just let it grow organically a little bit? I mean, we did. We you know we played in the summer for a number of, a number of years and. You know, I think the people who come to watch us now, compared to those who go and watch the men, you know, it's it's very family orientated. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of family members obviously come, and and people who just love women's football. Mm. Uh, but if it clashes with a men's game, you know that they're always going to go to the men's game. Yeah. So you know, you you're fighting a a pretty hard battle to then mm-hmm. to get get the women's attendances up, and that's the same all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so to put it at a different time, I think would would definitely you know get their attendances higher. Yeah, for sure. And that leads me on to a question from Haley. Actually, she asks, "How do you feel genuinely about the state of women's football at the minute? There's been a lot of backlash over pitch standards and refereeing decisions. Obviously, the talent and interest are on the up, but do you think it's hindered by such issues? Obviously, the the pitch issues and postponements have been something that have that's dogged Sunderland ladies quite a lot recently. Yeah, I think it just obviously echoes what I've just said. You know, if you if you're playing in the summer, the pitches aren't going to be as bad as what they are in the winter. Yeah. Uh, therefore, the you know the standard, the product's going to going to be better. Uh, more people might come and watch it. Uh, as for the referee, and you know, she probably relating to the the header and the handball in the in the Redden game. You know, a terrible error. Mm-hmm. But you know, mistakes get made all the time. It's you know, it's we're, dri- we're trying to drive the game forward. We're trying to drive standards, uh, and it's it's on the up. Yeah. But you know, there's there's still some way to go. And and just on that, um, the postponement issue as well. How frustrating is that when you, obviously, you say you have your two training sessions a week and, and you're focused on a game on a weekend and then it gets cancelled. It must be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this we haven't had many cancelled. I don't think. Uh, I mean, we had Derby can- got cancelled a couple of times, uh, but you know every game this weekend gone was was cancelled. So that's you know it's quite a freak thing yeah, that, yeah. with a storm that uh, this week. But it's frustrating because you you're planning for for certain games, and I mean we kind of dipped a little bit of the Birmingham stuff in last week as well. So you know we're we're not behind or, or anything mm. like that. You know we're, we're where we need we're where we need to be. But we've we've certainly got lots of games coming up. I don't think we've got a free weekend now until the end of the season. So yeah, busy. We c- we can't have any more cancellations. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darren Walkenshaw asks, looking to the future, assuming we get promoted and assuming the application to the FA is accepted, are you intending on strengthening the squad? If so, in which positions? Absolutely, all of them. All of them. I'm going to get rid of everyone. <laughs> I'm going to rebuild the whole squad. <laughs> no, uh, it's. It would it would be something that I would have to sit down and review at the at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, if we do get promoted, it'll be more commitment from players. Yeah, of course. Uh, so though some players might not be able to fully commit to to what is required, therefore might have to part ways. Uh, I would definitely be looking to strengthen strengthen the squad, uh, and it would be in positions that would need to be filled depending on who could stay and who who had to go. Yeah, definitely, and and obviously you've got players on dual contracts that you mentioned earlier. That their future would have to kind of be up for discussion as well, or would would they come into the into the team? What's what's the plan for for those players? Again, it would ha- it would have to be reviewed at the end of the season. I know uh, if we got promoted, there's a there's a cap on how many players you can actually sign. Right. So it's not you know at this moment in time in tier three, I could sign a hundred players if I wanted to. It, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but there's a cap where I, as you get promoted, so 
you know, it would have to be looked at logically uh, in position for position uh, to make sure that, you know, we've got every everything covered, you know, using people like Emily Hutchinson as an example this season. Uh, if you've got a player who gets injured and you're in the championship, you know, and you've signed up to your max, yeah. then you can't bring anyone else in. So mm-hmm. you need to keep, leave that little bit of flexibility to bring players in throughout the season as well. So yeah, of course. competition for places would be really high. Uh, so again, players, I think, have got a little little bit of an eye on that as well and, and are fighting, fighting to prove that they can play at this level to ensure that I know that they can at least contribute when, if we get promoted. Yeah, for sure. Um, one last question from Twitter. David Keeler asks, now that we're in the League Cup semi-finals, are you definitely focused on trying to win it um, since he's previously said it wasn't a priority? It's it's one of those things, you know, it's it's not a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to, if I could only pick one thing to win, it would be the league. You know, I wouldn't want to win the League Cup and then lose out on the league. You yeah. know, it's, the league's always going to be the priority. However, we want to win every game. You know, we're on a terrific run of form. Uh, the momentum's with us, uh, so <clears throat> we're not we're not putting weakened sides out. You know, it's it's there every week. So yep. you know, if we get there and we win it, absolutely fantastic. But you know, the, my eyes are firmly fixed on getting us promoted out of this league. Yeah, I suppose winning winning breeds winning, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the Birmingham general preview. Uh, we've saved the best bit of the podcast until last, really. This Saturday, your lasses face top tier side Birmingham City in the fifth round of the FA Cup at Hetton. Two o'clock in what is an absolutely huge game for Sunderland ladies. Um, and Birmingham City really do both some absolutely crazy talent. You've got Hannah Hampton, England under 21 international, uh, Sarah Mailing the same, Harriet Scott, Republic of Ireland international, Abby Grant and Chloe Arthur, both cap for Scotland. Rachel Will- sorry, Rachel Williams, uh, Great Britain and England star. Um, Brie Vasali, who is part of a pretty decent um, USA under-23 setup. Connie Schofield, England under-21 international. Lucy Whip, ex-England under-17 international. Claudia Walker, England under-23 international. Freya Gregory, England under-17 international. And to throw into the mix as well, former Sunderland duo Emma Kelly, who was a former... England under 23 international and of course Lucy Staniforth who Phil Neville took to the last World Cup so how on earth do you go about preparing for this one? Easy Easy <laughs> uh, you know, Obviously we're going to prepare properly uh, we've done my homework uh, I've watched lots of games uh, over the last couple of weeks of Birmingham I've spoke to managers in the WSL uh, about Birmingham so we're prepared uh, they're all names on paper they look great, uh, but you know it's on the day. It's a cup game. Anything can happen. Uh, we've devised a game plan which the girls are going to follow uh, to the best of their ability on on Sunday, and we'll see what happens. I would ask what the game plan is, but you're probably not going to tell me. Are you? I'm definitely not going to tell you. <laughs> um, so, did you work with Emma or Lucy when they were at the club? Then I did, yes. And and you're looking forward to to seeing them. Does that help that you've that you've worked with them that you maybe know the game a little bit? Yeah, we, we obviously know Lucy inside out. Uh, Emma's obviously come back from Iceland and, and just experiencing, you know, WSL one uh, again. For, she hasn't been in that in that league for a long time, uh, but I know know quite a lot of the players. I've coached quite a few of them for the for the twenty threes, mm. uh, and you know they've got they've got a tough game tomorrow. They're going to Chelsea away tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, then they've got to come all the way up to Sunderland. Uh, cold, we're on a, cold, we're on a, wet and windy. You know, it's a, it's the biggest <laughs> challenge so far, but I certainly wouldn't write off. 
yeah, definitely. And are the team excited? I guess for the likes of Charlotte Potts and Ramshaw and Galloway, who have all played at the top division, this this will be something they really relish. Yeah, the the chomping at the bit, you know, the 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 love to test ourselves out against different opposition, uh, and you know, whatever happens, we're going to be a better team for it because we would have learned something from it. Cool. Um, we'll end the question. Sorry, we'll end the podcast with a question from Katie. Who um, I forgot to put in the questions, but she's Sunderland ladies mad, so it no would comment. Be, no it, comment. It, would, it would be rude if we didn't. <laughs> she says, "What's your biggest surprise since dropping down into the national league?" Uh, you don't get a tea and coffee at half time. Yeah, the the, the, the food isn't <laughs> as good. Uh, I'm I'm not really shocked or surprised at, at anything really. It's you know it's it's hard. F- you know, being from WSL one to tier three in terms of, uh, I would love to do more with the squad, and there's more, there's more to be done, but we just haven't got time. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know through no fault of anyone's, but uh, it's been a good challenge in terms of you know we're playing against different teams, teams play different ways, and you're learning all the time. You know, yes, the standard's not as good as what it is at the top level, but. You know, players are getting uh, better and better each week, which is great for me to see as a coach. It's very rewarding. Uh, and you know, the from last season to this season, there's been a huge, a huge difference in the team, which is again really pleasing for all the staff. Uh, and you know, we're on a bit of a journey, and you know, we're on the journey to try and get ourselves back up where we where we want to be. That brings to an end another episode of the Raw Podcast. It's been a real pleasure having you on, Mel. And thanks for your time. I know you have a busy schedule as you're off to training tonight. So I am, yes. Good luck with that. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for pressing play. And don't forget to turn up and show your support as Mel's team face Birmingham, the fifth round of the FA Cup, at 2 o'clock this Sunday at Hetton. And finally, don't forget to like, share, retweet and subscribe. Plus, we're available on all your usual podcast places. I've been James Copley. Thanks for listening to The Raw.